So we all uh, are here this weekend, and all of us, wherever you are in your walk with God, or you may not even be walking with God, but we're all seekers, right? We're seeking something, big and small. Some of us are here, and we're, we're seeking peace. We've forgotten or lost who we are. We're seeking joy, significance, purpose. Some of us are here, and hey, we, we just need clarity about a, a decision at work that we face next week, or uh, to buy or not to buy, or I, 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 we need a date or something. Big and small, we're all seekers. And, and, and the challenge, though, for most of us is that there's always this unsettledness and uncertainty around that which we seek. And that leads to stress, or that leads to fear, or that leads to anxiety. And some of us, because we just don't know where to look, we would call ourselves maybe lost or maybe confused. Even those of you that are here and you'd say, hey, you know, I'm living my best life. There's a recognition, though, that all of us are one medical diagnosis or report or one text message, news flash, change in the world scene. We're all away, one of those away from our search being disrupted. And so we decided to start 2024 differently and to offer ourselves a new, for some of us, or a renewed vision for life. That there's one thing that we can seek and never be disappointed. That there's one search that ends in eternal joy, eternal happiness, eternal peace, a satisfied soul, no asking who am I, why am I here, what's wrong, what can be done about it. Those are settled. And that search is when we seek the Lord. That search is to seek the Lord. More so for who he is than what he can give us. And there's one place in scripture, as I have dug deep over the last few weeks, where this vision, this search, this pursuit, all seems to crystallize and come together and give us a picture of a right relationship with God. Give us a picture of walking with God in, in, in happiness and joy and in, in pursuing life in Christ. And it comes to us from the Lord's Prayer. In reverence to the Word of God and in honor of this prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray, if you are able to, I'll invite you to stand as an act of worship. Jesus said, pray then in this way. You can read with me if you wish. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we get our minds around the Lord's Prayer, there's a a couple of things that jump out just as we move into this 
this vision. It, it's a how-to prayer and it's a who-to prayer. Jesus wants his disciples to know who they're praying to and how to pray. But he doesn't tell them why to pray. It's assumed that as living beings under the authority of God the Father, God the Son, that we will pray. Or we could say it in layman's terms, prayer is life. And the Lord's prayer is a prayer to pray, but it is a life to live. It is a vision of life in the kingdom of God. Some of us walked in here and we understand life in the kingdom of self. We understand life in the kingdom of America and the West and our economy and our way of life and People Magazine and I need more of this and more of that and I want this and I want that. Some of us walked in here and we know what it's like to be in the kingdom of Satan himself. But this is a vision of life in the kingdom of God, which I would submit is the best life there is. Inside of the Lord's Prayer, there are six petitions, three that center around the glory of God and three that center around our good. It's quite significant. We start with his glory first. And there is no first-person pronoun inside of this prayer. There's no me, there's no myself, there's no I. It's our. It's meant to be a community, which is one reason we as a church have been going through sacred assembly together. We've been praying together at noon every day. We've been doing the same devotionals together through our sacred text. And we'll even take some next steps together related to this prayer, related to this service. And you'll receive this as you walk out or you can access it online if you're watching digitally. But the prayer begins and what makes prayer Christian prayer, because all people pray. What makes prayer Christian is the first is there's an awareness of who. There's an awareness of who we're praying to and our relationship to God. Our Father who is in heaven. In the actual Greek, it starts with the word Father, which was revolutionary at the time because nobody called God Father. But we also see where God is, that God is in heaven that God is sacred, that God is exalted, that God is high, that God is lofty, that God is holy. And so what this initial salvo inside the Lord's Prayer, it gives us a vision of who God is. It puts God in His place. And when God is in His place, we understand what our place is. That we have the right to call, or we can have the right to relate to God as Father. So the beautiful thing about this prayer is it invites it invites a view of God that includes both awe, God is in heaven, and intimacy or relationship that I can call God my Father. Now listen, let's just be honest. There's some of us here, we can't pray this prayer because we don't know God as Father. And the only way we can know God as Father is to be adopted by Him. And the only way to be adopted is for God himself to handle the legal barriers, which is we're guilty sinners, and to handle the payment to redeem us. And that has been accomplished through Jesus Christ. So maybe this weekend, the first time, you're going to be able to pray the Lord's Prayer as a child of God because you see that God has made a way for you to enter his family, call him Father, be a part of his kingdom. It's not what you've done, it's what he's done through his son Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus right now and you will be saved. So we have now a view of God that invites awe and intimacy. We have a view of ourselves that produces humility. We're not in heaven. We're not the creator. We're not the redeemer. We're not the king. But it also gives us a sense 
of being a dearly loved child of God. Imagine if you woke up every day and knew that you knew that you knew that the most important thing about you was you are loved by God. He is your Father who is in heaven. That's, That's who you are, and it drives and defines you. You would have rest and peace because what's settled about you cannot change. God is your Father, and you are his dearly loved child. Would you join with me? And we'll pray together. Our Father who is in heaven. Holy God, I believe there's people here and there's a spirit of unrest because they think they are what they do, what they have, and what people say about them. God, I pray right now that there would be a spirit of love, a spirit of your fatherly presence that would descend upon our souls that we recognize you are high and lofty, but you have come down to us through your Son and now by your Spirit so we can call you Father and rest in your eternal love for us. God, for those who can't call you Father because they have not come through the blood of your Son, I pray right now they look to the cross of Calvary, they see what Jesus has done, they see who Jesus is as the Son of the Most High God, and they say, Lord Jesus, would you save me right now? God the Father, would you adopt me right now? And Holy Spirit, would you fill me right now? Our Father, who is in heaven, we're your sons and daughters here to seek you. In your name we pray. Amen. Next we come to the agenda. And there is only one agenda. We all probably walked in here and we have an agenda. But there is only one agenda. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be the name of God. May God's name be holy or set apart. Now here's the interesting thing. I didn't know this until I was studying this. This is not a praise. I thought this was a praise. Oh, God, hallowed be your name. Praise you, God. Adore you, God. Love you, God. It's a petition. Jesus is telling us to pray that the name of God would be set apart, that the name of God would be treasured and valued and hallowed, first in our hearts as sons and daughters, and then he's going to take us to the ends of the earth. See, the name of God is his identity and his reputation. It's who he is at his core, at his essence, as a changeless, eternal being. Holy or hallowed is it God is hallowed be. He's gonna be his name is special, unique. His name is set apart. That this petition, though, is not a petition to make God's name holy. That's already been done. That's just who he is. But for God's name to be seen and treasured, first in my life and then to the ends of the world and the universe, but God's name to be seen and treasured as holy. I fundamentally believe that the Lord's Prayer is one primary petition, hallowed be your name, and five sub-petitions that are all underneath That yes, God wants to forgive our sins so his name would be set apart. That yes, God wants to give us our daily bread so his name would be set apart. That God's kingdom would come so his name will be set apart. See, there's two ways to live, church. We can live at the level of our problems and our possibilities. That our problems are our purpose. Our possibilities are our purpose. And God, you're obligated to come help. That's the agenda. No, no, no. That's not the agenda. Hallowed be your name, our Father who is in heaven. 
The second way to live is that our problems and our possibilities are drawn up into God's purpose of hallowed be your name. See, think about how we pray sometimes. God, give me wisdom at work. Why? So I can make more money and have more power. God, fix my spouse. Why? So I can have my dream marriage. God, help me to make more money. Why? So I can buy more stuff. Change all of that. God, help me to have wisdom at work so your name could be set apart, seen as who you really are through me. God, yes, I, 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 I need more margin financially. I, I'm asking for more money, but so I can use that for your kingdom to come. You see the difference? We got to get the agenda right. That all of our needs, that all of our wants, that all of our petitions are part of the great agenda of our Father who is in heaven, that his name would be set apart, seen and treasured for who he really is. Let us pray. God, hallowed be your name. It is the name above all names. It is the name through which no other can be saved. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the first and the last. You are mighty God. You are wonderful counselor, your everlasting father. You are God almighty. Yet, God, we probably came here and we have our own agenda, but there is only one agenda. Help us right now, God, to align with you. Help us, God, right now to realize that our happiness is when we pursue your glory, the hallowing of your holy, precious, and mighty name. God, forgive us for taking your name in vain. God, may right now you, Holy Spirit, shine lights into every heart so that we see you as who you are. You are not a distant God. You are not a judge over us. You are not absent. You are a father. You are the father. You are our father. And your name is high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy is your name. And in that name, we pray. Amen. Then we come to the prayer for the advancement and the accomplishment of God's will and God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we praying for? When we pray for the kingdom to come, we are praying for the redemptive, saving, buying back, restoring presence of God and the satisfying presence of God to inbreak, to come in. There are families here this weekend. There are marriages here this weekend. There are schools represented here this weekend. There are neighborhoods, families, generations here this weekend. And your number one need is to have the inbreaking, invading, holy presence of God come into your marriage, come into your family, come into your kids' lives, come into your school, your neighborhood, your community, to the generation that you want to be different. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. When we say God's will, what are we talking about? Who we should marry? Should we buy the car? Should we not buy the car? We're talking about for the righteousness of God to prevail. That we would be obedient to the revealed will of God. That we know that we know that we know. God's will is the best. God's will is perfect. And we want that will to be done starting in our lives. 
flowing out into our families and to our church because it's not a singular me, myself, and I prayer. And ultimately to the whole of creation, God's kingdom would inbreak. God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done. See, one of our searches is what? A search for significance. What greater significance that you and I as children of our Father who is in heaven are invited to participate in the inbreaking kingdom of God. Every other kingdom you and I are part of will vanish or go away or let us down or disappoint us. But we are actually invited by the Lord Jesus himself to partake of the kingdom, to be part of the kingdom, and then to help advance the kingdom and accomplish the will of the Father. See, we walk in and we walk around and many of us have what I call a functional identity. A functional identity could be I, I'm Matt, I'm a pastor, I, I, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I was in the Navy. You, you, others, you could say, hey, I'm a business person. Hey, I, I'm an addict. Hey, I'm damaged goods. Hey, I'm a victim functional identity. Hey, I've got a lot of money. Hey, I don't have a lot of money. Hey, I'm insecure. A functional identity. It's the identity you function, you live out of. Your emotions come out of that. Who you see you, when you look yourself in the mirror, that's who you see yourself as. When we are invited to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, God is giving us a foundational identity as kingdom citizens, as kingdom seekers, as dearly loved sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven. And some of us today need to drop the functional identity. Some of us today need to say no to Satan. That is not who I am. I am not what I did. I am not what I have done. I am not what the world tells me I have to be to happy uh, to be happy. I am who God says I am. His son, his daughter, his will be done starting in me to the ends of the earth. Our Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me? God, would your kingdom come into families, into marriages? There are husbands here this weekend that right now as I am praying need to grab their wives' hands and pray for the kingdom to come back into your marriage and pray for an inbreaking of the redemptive presence of God in your home. There are citizens of heaven in this room and we need to pray that the kingdom of God would come through us to our jobs, to our friends and neighbors who do not know our Father who is in heaven. That we could live sent for you, Lord God. But God, starting with me, but it doesn't end with me. God, would your kingdom come to my heart, to our hearts. God, starting with me, would your will be done, your righteousness prevail. But God, it doesn't stop with me. We pray your kingdom to come in and through Rockbridge Community Church. We pray your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our six cities of Calhoun and Dalton, Chatsworth, Ringgold, Hickson, Cleveland, 
We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in the United States of America and to the ends of the earth. God, we pray that we see ourselves as citizens of your kingdom and sons and daughters a part of your family. You are our Father who is in heaven. You are also our King of kings and Lord of lords, whose name we pray. Amen. And then we get to ask. First we ask, give us this day our daily bread. We're not making demands. We're declaring our dependence upon God. We need daily bread from God. We need, bread, we need spiritual food. We need needs. God, this is what I need to be able to do your will. God, this is my need. This is what I, the burdens I'm carrying. I need you, God, to give me my daily bread. And God is honored by that. There's a reason God it says daily. You know, I think a lot of us, we want God to give us the 20-year plan, and everything's going to work out for the next 20 years. It's like when you leave your dog on a big vacation and you take one of those big massive feeders that will feed him for a week, right? That's what we want God to do. God says, no, it's daily bread. Why does God say daily bread? One, because he's relational. He's our father. Our father wants to talk to us daily. Our father wants us to be vulnerable for him, before him daily. And also... God knows something. We'll get to the evil part in a minute, but God knows. God knows something. You may have had a normal day yesterday, but you may have an influx of evil to deal with today, and you need daily bread for it. See, our hope, listen, church, our hope is not that our great yesterday, that our today will be the same as our great yesterday. Our hope is is that our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he is our Father who is in heaven. And he is the one who says, ask me every day for your daily bread. Ask me every day for it. Would you pray with me? God, I know there's people in here today, and they are dealing with cancer. They are dealing with sickness and adversity. God, there are people here today, and all of us, God, have a need for spiritual food, a need to hear from you so our souls may be refreshed with the living water. God, there is adversity, there is affliction, there is a need for wisdom, there is a need for clarity. There is a need, God, this day for you as the bread of life to provide us our daily bread so your will can be done in us and through us to the glory of our Father who is in heaven. And we pray that and we say amen. The second ask is for pardon, but it's pardon with a pronouncement. And forgive us our debts. God, we're asking for that. But God, we're also telling you we are going to forgive our debtors, that we're going to forgive those who've sinned against us. It's important that we see our pardon is not a prayer for salvation. We've already called God Father, and we call God Father not because we are perfect and sinless, but because we have come through Jesus, our Savior. So it is a prayer to restore fellowship with our Father. When we sin, we lose intimacy. When we sin, we lose communion. So God, forgive us our debts. Is God, we want to have the restored communion and intimacy with you. But God, we are going to pronounce that we are also going to forgive those who sin against us. Because we all know we, there's two issues, right? We are both sinner and sinned against. And when we tell God we are going to forgive our debtors, we are saying to God, I am not going to demand from other people, God, what you have not demanded from me. Bottom line, forgiven people forgive.
Bottom line from our Father, there is more grace in Him than sin in us. Would you pray with me? God, I believe we've been all confessing sins as we've been walking in preparation for this moment. But God, we are still sinners. And so right now, God, we ask you to forgive us of our debts. God, I'll give folks just a moment to speak personally to you as their father and to say specifically a sin that they're needing forgiveness for. You have that space right now, your spirit to the Holy Spirit, through the Son and the blood of Jesus, back to your Father. Confess your sins and say, Lord Jesus, Lord God, forgive me my debts. God, even as we do that, we recognize that we tend to hold people to a different standard than you hold to us to. And I believe, God, there are roots of bitterness and cynicism. There is an unforgiving spirit that is possessing some people right now. So we need to pronounce, God, as you have forgiven us, we shall forgive. And you fill in the blank with that name. That forgiveness decision you have just made is not a feeling. It is a decision based on what your Father in heaven has done for you. God, would you forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen. And then finally, we ask God for protection. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A lot of different interpretations and understanding of that Greek word for temptation. What are we asking God to protect us from? We are all clearly tempted we're all going to have suffering. Jesus said as much. This, this, some of us will get cancer. Some of us will have heart disease. Some of us will be in car accidents. Some of us will be in natural disasters. What are we asking us, him to lead us away from and deliver us from? We're asking for protection from unnecessary pitfalls, namely a spirit of unbelief. We do not have to be stuck in sin. We do not have to go through the valley of the shadow of death and doubt who God is as our shepherd. We do not have to give up on God. We do not have to experience the pain and the consequence of besetting sins that enslave us, besetting sins that come to define us. God, we are asking you to protect us from unnecessary pitfalls that keep us from being able to do your will. Now, we recognize when we pray that there, there is a battle. We recognize there is the reality of an evil one. And we're going to say, God, we recognize we have an enemy. God, we refuse to submit to him. We refuse to submit to a spirit of unbelief. And God, in Jesus' name, we resist him by saying, Father, King, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you pray with me? God, there is spiritual warfare. We see it on the news, and we feel it in our souls. But God, we recognize as we pray this prayer, we are dealing with a defeated enemy. And so in Jesus' name, we ask for deliverance. In Jesus' name, we ask for protection. And we say all of that for the glory of your name. Because when people ask us, why do you have hope? Why do you walk with the spirit of victory? Why do you walk with this peace that passes all understanding? Why do you seem to have a hope that does not disappoint? We get to say, because we have a Father who is in heaven. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. And then the Lord's Prayer ends. 
most likely in addition to the original text and the original words of Jesus, but so true. It ends with a declaration and a confession, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's not our kingdom. It's not about us. Yours is the kingdom. We need your power. You have power. Apart from you, God, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we, can, we are nothing. We're helpless. We're children in need of a loving Father, which we have in you, to deliver us from evil, to forgive our debts, to give us our daily bread. And then yours is the glory. It's all about you, God. But we recognize, Lord, as we pray this, as we come back to the heart of worship, as we come back to true north, which is our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, we recognize and we book in this prayer with the hallowing of God's name. And God, to you, you alone, be all glory forever. And God, as we pray this prayer, as we live this prayer, our joy is here, our hope is here, our identity is here, our peace is here, because you are our Father who is in heaven. God, hallowed be your name for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. And all God's people said, amen. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we just gave you an amen. That means let it be so. God, may none of us said those words with a religious spirit of checking a box because that's just how we end the prayer. We say amen. Let it be so. Let it begin with me. Let it emanate from me. Let it be part of Rockbridge and who we are at our core. Let it go out from Rockbridge, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And God, we recognize that this prayer that we have just prayed will be fully answered on that day, Jesus, when you come back and you establish your reign and you establish your rule with no rivals, with no competitors, with no evil one to ask deliverance from. And so, God, we look to that day with hope, and we look to that day with expectancy. But on this day, God, we declare our dependency upon you, our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name as we come back to you, God, and we worship you. We worship you for who you are. You are our Father. You are in heaven. You are our king. You are our forgiver. You are our deliverer. And yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.